Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. Welcome to the Piffles Podcast. This is your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Alex. I'm still Steve. And I'm here, I guess. Who? Aren't we all here? We're... No, you're there. I'm here. Well, well, and I'm here. We're on Zoom, but it doesn't matter. It says Greg. I'm Greg, anyway. Greg. 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 Give like us a one day I'll say your name. No, I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid it as long as possible. <laughs> Give us a follow on Twitter at PipplesPod. You can follow me at RealAlexD. You'll find me at Safamod. And once again, I do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. I'll take his pillow, or your uh, pillow. Sure, if it's comfortable. <laughs> you take my pillow? My pillow? We're talking about my pillow? I'm trying to combine words here. I'm almost at 2,000 followers, so come on, let's let's get going. Jesus Christ, I'm not even 1,000 yet. This is, this is, this is embarrassing. <laughs> Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out on Skip the Dishes. And of course, go to the... Facebook page, facebook.com slash pifflespodcast, and the website, pifflespodcast.com. We're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Let's get right to it. Time for the opening kickoff. Still funny. I don't care. (laughs) And we actually have a game to recap, and it wasn't a preseason game. For the first game of this year although at times it kind of looked like one but uh riders taking on bc last friday night as we know the riders win 33 29 held on barely and escaped with a win in a game that they started up 31 nothing i couldn't believe this i believe the start that they had <laughs> on the first drive or two but then after that, it was another touchdown, and then another touchdown. It was thirty-one nothing, and oh my god, wow, this is incredible! And then it, poof, gone. So this was one of those games that was just a tale of two halves. It was all riders in the first half. It was all BC in the second half. Gentlemen, give me your take immediately for your first take on that game. I'm not saying that the Riders uh, had some had the BC covering the spread, but the Riders had someone covering the spread. <laughs> are you are you saying they pulled a what's his name from the Sharks? Evander Kane. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. Van, they pulled an, an Evander any, Kane. An any given Sunday <laughs> reference by Steve Safnock, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. The San Jose Sharks. Oh, Evander Kane. Sorry, I thought we were I thought we were getting <laughs> an any given Sunday reference. That's a little too absurd no, no. for Steve. I know. That's why I'm like, what? No. <laughs> I love that movie, but it's been a while. Yeah. But I don't know. Like the touchdown on the like basically garbage time I was like, what's going on here? And then yeah, didn't didn't make the spread after having 31 points up on him. I remember sending a message just before halftime for our uh, for our charity pick 'em thing, saying, guys, I don't think we need to worry. We've got the spread covered. I've been a Ryder fan for so long, I should have known better. And that was one of should've. my – I really should have. That was my thought after BC scored their first touchdown when Lucky White had had that 75-yard pass. I'm like, oh, my God. Is it bad that I've been a Ryder fan for so long that I do not feel comfortable right now and it's 31 to 9 at the half? Like, oh, man. just I, I, went you... to the, I went to the game with the guy I work with, and I said the same thing. I'm like, yep, that's Ryder football. This is going to be a tight one. He's like, we're up. I'm like, it doesn't matter. It does my, my former boss is a is a Lions fan. We make the same bet every time the Riders and Lions play. It's coffee bet. Nothing nothing crazy. And it, at thirty one nothing, I said at this point, I'm pretty sure you owe me a breakfast sandwich because this this game is over. And he goes, just wait. And I didn't message him again for the rest of the game because he was almost right. Again, I've been a fan too long. No lead is safe, but I am so glad to have CFL football back. But going back to that lucky whitehead touchdown, that is 
That's Nick Marshall right there. You know, I, I put this in the lineup, and, and guys, we'll get to that in a, in a minute because I do want to touch on uh, on Nick Marshall here and just kind of We're his... supposed to look at those? Oh, crap. Okay, one second. Let yeah, don't, don't worry right. about it. I'll walk you through it. So <laughs> let's just go through the first half here for, for a couple minutes anyway. Cody Fajardo starting, what was it, 15 of 15? And uh, the touchdown pass to Braden Linnaeus and William Powell had a touchdown, but their first two drives was touchdown, touchdown. Nick Marshall had the pick six, and then there was another touchdown after that. Like, it was just nonstop, and this looked like the Jason Moss offense that we expected to see putting up points, lots of quick passes and just efficient routes and, and plays down the field. The first half looked like exactly what we were dreaming of the whole last almost two full years after Jason Moss was named offensive coordinator. So before we even get to BC's comeback here, um, what did you guys think of the first half, the Riders just being able to work the offense like that? Well, when, you, when you've got a team that, that has a ton of question marks on offense in their first game with no preseason and no football for a year and a half, Jason Moss has the perfect kind of offense to get you going. It's a whole lot of quick, short plays. Uh, I saw somebody put up a, a post that had all the different times that uh, before Cody let go of the ball on a pass, and there was nothing over two seconds. He was It was just snap, drop back, toss, snap, drop back, drop back, toss. That's what we want to see, and that's all we saw for the first two halves was quick plays where the offense was in sync. It was, it was beautiful to watch. I want to see more of that. And sync, I and, agree. I want to see more in sync too. <laughs> well, bye, bye, bye. But besides the point, I, I, I just want to pat my back. I'm going to do the Barry Horowitz uh, pat on the back here for saying Jason Moss offense, quick ball out so you don't have to worry about the offensive line. Yeah, we argued about that and last that's week. What... And uh, yeah, <laughs> just judging off that, Jason Moss had the perfect game plan called to kind of mask that. And don't get me wrong. There, there's uh, some screenshots out there of Boyko getting absolutely destroyed. But we and the, I, you can call yourself right on that one too. give yourself a Barry Horowitz for that one. But that's what this offensive line needs to be right now, because we, we need to get the ball out fast. We need to run the ball. And that's the other thing that was missing in the second half. William Powell was basically put on the shelf and he came out for what? One uh, one rush after in the second half, one run in the it, second half. You were you're not kidding. He wasn't even just maybe put on the shelf. He didn't touch the ball for two full quarters from near the end of the second quarter to the end of the fourth. In a game where we're up four scores, you don't hand off to your running back at all. For all the praise you get in the first half, there's a whole lot of question marks for that play calling in the second half. Yeah, only two first downs total in the entire second half. They didn't run the ball for the equivalent of a full half. They didn't run the ball at all in the second quarter until under two minutes left. And it was just baffling to me that they just couldn't. I know the clock in the CFL is different than the NFL, where the NFL, if you run the ball, it's going to constantly move the clock. It's a little bit different in the CFL. It's not quite the same, but you got to run that ball. And, and like you guys alluded to, get that offensive line moving forward and not having them drop into pass protect and get them being the aggressors. And that's what they were doing in the first half. And they just weren't doing that in the second half. Um, I just don't know what it was just taking your foot off the gas pedal. And I, I just don't know how to explain what the offense did in the second half. I really don't because it was just mind blowing. Someone should have put and, me on a word count in that second half. Cause I can't even say, mention how many times I use the words passive in both the offense and the defense. <laughs> Because they, they were. They they literally took the foot off the gas. And by the time they realized, holy crap, we got to start this car again, BC was in the rear view. Like, they they left they left a lot of points. They left a lot of plays out there. It was not a good second half at all. And, and there's the problem that you make. When you're, when you're talking to CFL, and they, they harp on it all the time, no lead is safe, to, to sit back and – and kind of take your foot off the gas, it's really hard once you kind of take that step back to really get back into the flow again. And you cannot you cannot do that in this league. You need to put your foot down for four full quarters. And we saw that. I mean, a 31-0 lead should be safe in any sport. 
at any time if a team is smart, and they weren't. The thing that kind of makes me question things is this is against a team that didn't start their starting quarterback. They had their backup, a raw rookie, come in and play, and then they started. We're having a long. Oh, by the way, we're having a long conversation about that after this. And then, but like I, I, Nathan Rourke, and I mean, you he played kind of as I would expect a rookie quarterback to play in his first real CFL action. Like he was not good, but he what? Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't think he was terrible. He did make some throws, made some mistakes too, but in the long run, that'll be good for him. But obviously, Mike Riley wasn't ready to go. Sorry, Michael Riley wasn't ready to go. And then out of nowhere in the second half, Michael Riley's, yeah, I'm ready to go. Clearly he wasn't, because if you look at how those throws came out of his arm, like they were just terrible, bad throws. I thought, it, I thought R.A. Dickey was throwing the football for those guys. Those <laughs> knuckleballs were freaking amazing. Like, no, don't get me wrong. Everyone is making fun of the de- defensive backs, but they weren't wrong. Like, how do you judge expecting a bullet to come in and that thing just flutters to the receiver below uh, underneath you. Yeah. The receiver is the one that's and looking that, at the ball, not the defensive back. So the receiver has the advantage of knowing where the ball is going to be. And they see the ball flutter up first. They're the ones that are able to make that adjustment, but it's concerning to me a little bit that both an injured quarterback, as good as Michael Riley is as a quarterback, but an injured one and a rookie were able to mount this comeback to me, that's concerning. Well, but here my my concern is what was BC doing? Michael Riley is one of the arguably the best quarterback in this league when he's healthy. What are you doing throwing him out there for game one when you when he wasn't good to go? And then when the game is literally on the line, you need one score. You put the rookie back out there because obviously Riley couldn't lift his arm anymore. And he's not gonna be playing this week against Calgary. It's gonna be Nathan Rook starting the game on Thursday. Is it really? Are we sure? At this point, who knows? The amount of people that were uh, suggesting oh my a, God. a betting thing. I mean. <laughs> Obviously, Rick Campbell had the riders, but but he had the lines on the spread. Okay, that, that is my new theory. <laughs> With single ba- game betting, everything comes down to uh, to wagering. But I, I don't know. I, I, I still don't get it, though. That, that injury report. R- Riley was obviously not good. I... I don't even know why that even happened. He didn't even take snaps as this uh, with the ones at all last week. He didn't do it again this week. Like they're just put li- listing has him as limited and he's not limited. He's not practicing. So they're clearly lying on their reports already. He, he's dressed. He's literally dressed. He's, he's limited in the fact that he is dressed, but he can't do crap. I don't know. I don't know what BC is doing, but it's good. That said, it's good to see a Canadian uh, quarterback in this league. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully uh, he can uh, show up pretty well against the Calgary Stampeders on Thursday. That would make me pretty happy, actually. Uh, I would love it if you put the boots in the sand. <laughs> I'd be happy about that. I, I saw a stat today that a stat, this is completely off topic, but the Calgary Stampeders have not started 0-2 since 2002. Yeah. 20 years almost. That they have not lost, and they've lost a bunch of those. Uh, the first games they've started 0 1 a bunch of times over that 20 years. They've never started 0 2 in the last 19 seasons. Yeah, that team or 18, just I guess, doesn't really lose two in a row. They never lose back to back. It's so hard to go against them if they've lost a game. Well, but that's that. But the good news is this, uh, the Stamps lost that game. The Argos didn't win it. Bo Levi Mitchell told me so. Oh. <laughs> we could talk about that a little bit later. Greg, you wanted to talk about. Nick Marshall and and I put this in here so he had the pick six obviously making a a great play on kind of a crappy pass by by Nathan Rourke but brings it all the way all the way to the house his fourth pick six as a rider which ties the riders record with Jackie Mitchell and uh uh who was it Ken McEachern I think um with four all-time pick sixes he's done it in just a couple seasons Whereas those other guys played a long time with the Riders. So we know he's going to break it probably this season. Um, so you're taking the good there. But just like we saw last year, giving up some big plays, that long touchdown to Lucky Whitehead. So it's that risk reward with Nick Marshall. But uh, I mean, when he's scoring you points himself, you'll take that. But the thing about Nick Marshall is he has that one game where you look at. Um... Actually, it was Rhymes, and Rhymes is in BC, so he didn't get led by Rhymes this uh, this time. 
but he gets absolutely lit up and then everyone hates him. And then he plays pretty much shut down the rest of the year, but that's the problem with Nick Marshall. Yeah. It's, it's feast or famine with him. He's either really good and he's scoring you pick sixes or he's getting lit up for 75 yard touchdowns just before the half, because he, I guess he's done. I have no idea. With, with a guy that plays as aggressive as he does, you have to take the good with the bad. And we've seen over the last couple of years with him, the good far outweighs the bad. You just hope that the bad doesn't happen in a, in a tight game with, uh, with the game on the line. That's what it comes down to. We also have to remember that he was a quarterback turned into defensive back. So he probably will make those mistakes. Thank you, Chris Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That headshot on Cody Fajardo, if we're even going to call it a headshot, everyone outside of Saskatchewan saying it's not, but. I don't still a headshot. How many times you see that replay? Jordan Williams not roughing the passer, the but it was a headshot. Yeah. So after review was not roughing the passer penalty. It was deemed that Cody was a runner at that point because he was trying to stretch the ball back over the goal line. So yes, there should have been a penalty 100% on the play. The thing that's stupid is that what was challenged was roughing the passer. And since he was deemed a runner at that point oh well it's not a helmet to helmet hit even though it is but we can't call it because that's not what being challenged which is garbage in my mind unnecessary roughness aka the shots of the head cannot be challenged that that dicky made it like literally made a hail mary he was hoping that they wouldn't deem him deem him a runner but by then it was too late but unfortunately because they missed it on the field that play cannot be reviewed unless he has to be reviewed uh, as a roughing the passer. But at that point he wasn't a passer. So it didn't matter. So referees blew the call. Technically speaking, the um, review official got the call, right? But it's still crappy, no matter how you slice it, like headshots doesn't matter if it's down the field on a quarterback as a runner, Roughing the passer should all be reviewable. Should always be reviewable. Here, here's my question with this. Is the eye in the sky not there to call shots like that? Is that not its purpose? It's supposed to be, but he missed it like, too, apparently. Like that, was, that was a blatant shot to the head. And I get it in live action. You might not see it perfectly. It happens. Mistakes happen. But every headshot needs to be called. I don't care if it's for us, against us. It needs to be called. You cannot sit and tell me that you are all about league safety and player safety and then have a rule that is ridiculous as not allowing the review of a shot to the head. I understand if you make it not unnecessary roughness is a very vague, broad category. So don't make it about unnecessary roughness. Make it specifically for headshots. Say there's a headshot here. We want it reviewed. It doesn't matter if it's a passer. It doesn't matter running back wide receiver, defensive back on interception. I don't care, but you should do it that way. The rough, that entire thing. Well, he was a runner, not a quarterback. That's garbage. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Because if that, that happens to Zach Caleros diving, diving the ball forward at the line and someone hits him in the head. Winnipeg's going to lose their mind. And- happens to Bo Levi Mitchell. Same thing. He's running around the outside. Not he's a runner, not a, he's not a passer anymore. He goes down. There goes one of your stars of the league. I liked what Cody Fajardo said after the game when they asked him about that. And he said, well, I guess I haven't played long enough in the league to get that call yet. Yeah, I'm not a big enough name. I'm not a big enough name yet. Just throwing the shade at the league. And, and, the, and the stupid thing is, is that there was a fine on this. So they reviewed it. And then on the review of the review of the review of the play, oh, yeah, that was a headshot. So Jordan Williams got fined. So it just goes back to the game. It's like, how can you not call that a penalty if you're going to, I know obviously the fines come down a few days later and they actually go and look closely at this, but if you can look closely at it from the league level, why aren't we doing that at the game level when we're already taking 10 minutes to look at this thing on, on replay. And and that's where it goes to where refs missed it. Technically speaking, the, uh, the review official got the call right because it wasn't roughing the passer. But headshots should be challengeable, reviewable, anything. It doesn't matter who it's to. And I don't think you'll get a lot of argument from fans across the league that headshots should be reviewable. 
that seems to be something that the majority of fans are in favor of, except when it happens to us. So overall with this game, obviously the win is the most important thing. Yeah, there's a couple things to work on. But remember, this is without a preseason. This is without playing in 628 days for the riders themselves. So I don't want to nitpick too much, especially on on things that went wrong, because it was their first game back. And, and Steve, like you mentioned, it's just great to have football back. They got the win. That's all that matters. And they're in first place in the West right now, beating a division rival. And there's not much more you can ask than that. And obviously there's things to work on, but there always is after game one. And that's even with two games of a preseason. So won't make too much of a, a big deal. I don't think there's really not that much to, to be worried about, not much concern, but there's little things, but nothing major right now anyway. Can, can we get Mac Henry jersey that fits? Because as much as much as everyone was talking about seeing James Walder's uh, belly, I really did not need to see Mac Henry's belly the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. As I'm uh, sitting here drinking a Churchill Brewing Company lawnmower yard logger. Me too. Very good. I, I finally got my lawnmower. It's very good. I should crack one of those. Hang on one second. Uh, so the other games, guys, did you enjoy the other games? Because they kind of look sloppy and they look like a preseason game to me. And that was all three of the other games. You know, I, I, I don't like being wrong, but I love the fact that the Red Blacks beat the Elks. That game after after all the crap talk that we gave Ottawa, <laughs> you knew they were going to win. I, I, it I don't care to happen. I don't care that that offense is hot garbage, uh, rolling down the street. They had less that than defense yards. pulled them out of a pickle. They had huh? less than a hundred yards. Like that that offense is unsustainable. The fact that they won one game, Edmonton should like they, they're the like one in what. One win Hamilton team, like they, they're that bad. Yeah. They, they might Edmonton be worse than that hand. team. Hmm? They might yes, be I... worse than that team. This like... might be the worst team on paper that I remember in CFL in the last decade. And Edmonton lost to them. Let's not forget <laughs> this. Edmonton lost to them for the last two months. Alex, hey, I don't think Ottawa's going to win a game all season long. Ottawa wins game one. Like, of course that was going to happen. Like, geez. But like my favorite part, my favorite part about Edmonton losing, they lost it by one yard. Oh, that just—it's not even the fact they lost; it's the fact they lost by one yard. That just reminded me so much of the Super Bowl of the Rams and the Titans getting stopped by one yard. I know Week One of the CFL versus the Super Bowl, two totally different things, but just that reminder was there. It's like they were a yard short. I thought for sure Edmonton was actually going to score on that play, just because that's how that game seems to have would have gone. But Edmonton just they dominated the whole game and then it was just that pick six by abdul kane and it wasn't even that he made a great play he just was closing in on a tackle and shy ross just put the ball into his hands and then boom 102 yards he's gone and that's the whole difference in the entire game what man can that do man do a backflip <laughs> with the dunk of course yes dunking the cookies you know the, the funniest part, we talked about it earlier, that Bo Levi Mitchell said that, you know, Toronto didn't win, Calgary lost. I don't believe that for that game. I 100% believe that's the case in the Edmonton-Ottawa game. Ottawa had no business being in, the, in that game at any point. They did not win that game. That game was lost by the Elks. 100%. And I don't use that very often because it I think that's one of the most ridiculous quotes in sports but in this is one of those cases it is absolutely true yeah, but here's the thing I'm here for it oh please anytime they play a western team that's not us so chaos with the uh, Calgary Stampeders obviously start no one one which isn't a big surprise Steve you uh, alluded to that already but I know we say this every single year but it has to be asked again is this the year the stamps fall off because when you look around that deep, that whole team, offense and defense, there's not a lot of returning players. And the offense, yeah, they have a couple good Canadian receivers. And uh, Kamar Jordan's, he's a stud in my mind. But there's nothing else there on offense. And then on defense, it's a whole bunch of guys you've never heard of before. And is this the year? 
and I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. It's week one, but this did not look like a Huff team because usually it's next man up, keep on chugging along, and they just plow through through guys. But and it might be a case of not having a full preseason, but Huff's cupboard might be empty. Like it's or not empty. It's you're not you're not going to the dollar store uh, treats yet, but you're you're getting there. You're, you're just gas station treats right now because. I don't think this team is good as they, they usually are, which is fine by me. I'm I'm not quite ready to, like you said, to write them off. I don't think that they're bottom of the West quite yet, but they're, we're starting to see that tail off from, from the Calgary teams that we've come to know over the past years. I, I don't think they have a home playoff game at the end of this year, which for a Calgary team, that's, that's a big deal but I'm here for listen to the Calgary Stampeder fans lose their minds because it's about damn time. <laughs> right. You've had 20 years of this. Let, let the rest of us enjoy you uh, at the bottom half of the standings. And I'm saying that as a Patriots fan <laughs> where this last, past season last sucked. Year, last year was great for us Patriots haters where they finally, finally sucked for the first time after 20 years. So let's, uh, let's hope that's the same way if <laughs> the Calgary Stampeders here in the CFL. Um, one more thing I have listed in the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. And Steve, Greg, you can take a sit, uh, a seat here for a minute. But uh, Steve, every year we do this. Usually it happens in September. We're just before. And this is brought to you by our good friend, Laura Stewart in Hamilton. Big Thai Cats fan. She was actually at the, uh, the season opener in Winnipeg. Um, but she posted a picture. Look at Steve. He already hates this. He knows what's coming. The pumpkin spice coffee creamer stupid she was super pumped about and i'm here for it stupid okay i'll let you go first steve why are you so against anything pumpkin related prior to the first day of fall because pumpkin flavored everything is a fall flavor it is not an all-year flavor it is a fall flavor and it is marketed and has been marketed as a fall flavor for years and they keep bringing this garbage out while we're still trying to enjoy what's left of our summers. And it pisses me off more every year because they bring it out earlier every year. It's August 11th. The hell is this? Steve, Give me my summer flavors for another month and 11 days. What, what's and then bring flavor? out all the, I don't know, all the berries Something you can imagine. Yeah. Right? Like strawberry, raspberry, watermelon. So when the winter comes, you eat nothing raspberry or strawberry or melon or anything. See, those aren't marketed. Those aren't marketed as summer flavors. There are very few flavors out there that are marketed as a particular time frame. Eggnog, for instance. Now, eggnog is different because it's amazing. It's and it deserves to be an all-year flavor. Eggnog should be all year. Pumpkin spice should be all-year flavor. No, yes. pumpkin spice yes, should, should be fall. Steve, pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice is trying to expand its market. Pumpkin, and it okay. will, pumpkin it spice is like belong. the CFL. The, the, the rest of the year is like CFL 2.0. It's trying to expand. <laughs> we don't need it to expand. It needs to grow in the market it has before it expands beyond pumpkin spice 1.0. Thank you, Terry Jones. First off, Steve, who hurt you? Second, why can't you just let people enjoy things? If that's what they want to have in August, let them enjoy it. Who cares? It's not hurting you at all. You're taking it so personally. Let people enjoy their fun. Let them have fun with pumpkin spice. I have a Costco pumpkin pie that was in my freezer for literally almost a year. I brought it out today because it was a special. And it's better than homemade. Ooh, I won't. I won't necessarily go that far, but for six bucks, you can't beat the price, and it's fantastic. And you cannot make a pie for six bucks. So the Costco pumpkin pie, I have a true love relationship with. Steve, tell me on a hot day in the summer, you remember the uh, the Dairy Queen pumpkin pie cheesecake no. blizzard? Don't go there. You know how good that would you taste on one. a plus thirty-five. You know I wouldn't. Yes, you would. And I like pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie is delicious in the fall. Pumpkin spice is awful. Tell me you would not love to go to Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street on Sass Drive in Regina right now while it's 30 degrees outside and get yourself a pumpkin pie blizzard. Tell me you wouldn't want that. 
that is I am telling fantastic. you unequivocally I would not order that. I would order a Blizzard because Blizzards are amazing at plus 30. Pumpkin spy pumpkin pie Blizzards or pumpkin spice anything do not belong in 30 degree weather. They are not good in fall weather, but they are acceptable in fall weather. Would, and I will die on that hill. I also have a you pumpkin, sir are a liar and a scoundrel. I also have a pumpkin spice uh, coffee creamer in my fridge right now as well. Not for me, but uh, we do have one. So Laura Stewart out in Hamilton, I'm with you 100%. Let's hear from you guys. Let us know at Pipples Pod on Twitter. Pumpkin, anything prior to the fall? Yay or nay? We'll let you guys decide. And then if you decide wrong, I'll let you know. But uh, that's uh. There's our annual pumpkin pie or pumpkin I, spice fight, and we'll we'll probably do this again next, uh, probably July next year when they bring it out even earlier, Steve. If they bring it out in July, I'm done. <laughs> I am done. It there there will be no end to my hate parade on pumpkin spice in July. Pumpkin spice 2.0, people. Let's make it a thing. So there's your Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Um, every episode this year on the Piffles podcast we're going to do a Piffles memories uh little segment and um this is where we ask for somebody to give us a game and we tell them and we tell everybody what we remember from that game and going down the list I think we got all the rain ones out of the way Greg so uh I'm not sure what uh where to go from there but this one came in and it was the uh Calgary Stampeders I want to say it was in 2010 I don't know. I don't remember the exact year, but it was the Henry Burris bra game. Of course, Henry Burris had the pictures where he was at a, was it a fundraising party? It was a party. It was, a it was, party. A, it was definitely a party yeah, for, for charity. I think is what uh, it was branded as. At least that's what we were told after by Henry Burris, where he was in a black bra with a, a, a woman and th- that picture came out and everybody had fun on the internet with that. Let's just uh, let's just say that. And Steve, I remember you having fun with the, that picture at the game. So I'll let you start with what you remember from that I, game. I don't know if anybody had as much fun over the years with that picture as as I did and the people around me. As soon as those pictures came out, I I was just in heaven. It couldn't have happened to a better person for Rider Nation to get on board with the with what followed. And I remember the first game back after he, after the pictures came out, the first thing I did was went to, I think it was London drugs. I can't remember where it doesn't really matter and printed off a 20 inch by 40 inch version of this picture. And the entire game, I had it above my head. I was dancing. I was having a blast. And there was a part there was a play where the writer scored a touchdown. And I remember it because it just made me laugh and they panned the crowd and all you see is one guy flipping the bird and right behind me, happier than a pig in crap with this, with this sign over my head, dancing around. And then three minutes later, security was sitting right beside me going, give me the sign. And I thought it was hilarious. I gave it to him and somebody came, back, came down and handed me a beer. He's like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Handed me the beer and off he went. But, you know, I remember zero about that game as a whole. I just remember having so much fun with not even just the like with just with the story over the years because that that lasted several seasons and that poster lasted several seasons because i remember the next year i cut a hole in the woman's face and brought it back and i don't even know how many people took pictures i did and the number of times i saw everybody did the number of times that i saw people i didn't even know share pictures of their friends with their heads in that in that hole it was it was off the charts. It was a lot of fun. And you know what? We love to hate on Henry Burris, but I thank him to the end of the world and back for the enjoyment of that uh, of that game and that of that picture over the next few years that followed. I honestly can't add to that because I remember I was on the road. I know for a fact I was on the road. I remember watching the game uh, from prob- uh, north of Fort Mac probably at that point, and I remember seeing signs, which probably meant I saw Steve and yeah like i remember the story i remember everything around it i was not at the game and i don't remember anything particular about that game other than i hate calgary i remember the 
tailgate before where we all kind of joked around before uh hey everybody bring a black bra and we'll all wear it over top of our jerseys and we're like ah yeah okay and then we get there and there's like 30 extra black bras at the tailgate and we i just remember everybody throwing one on and walking into this stadium with it but just uh having a picture and i still have it somewhere probably on my facebook of everybody at the tailgate green jerseys black bra over top and i will say that i absolutely love henry burris always have when he was a rider when he was a stamp as a red black i love the guy he's one of the nicest guys i've ever talked to in my life and he just gave us a gift though and that rivalry that calgary and saskatchewan rivalry back then in the that when henry burris left the riders to go to calgary in 2005 like that was the perfect timing for this all to happen and it just brought that rivalry to the next level and this game was a was a big part of that the thing about henry burris is he embraced being the villain like he didn't have to but a lot of guys don't like being hated but he embraced it and he ran with it and that made the league fun is that is that missing in the league right now cuz there's not a guy that i just like back uh, then, Bo, we, bo's up there bo's up there yeah but it's bo, just, bo it's likes just like, not bo the likes same. being hated i yeah i wouldn't put bo levi mitchell on anywhere oh, no i no no level. he's not he's not on versus level when it comes to be embracing being the villain He's, he's as close as we get right now. Yeah. Deron Carter was probably the closest we've seen since Henry Burris with Saskatchewan to the rest of the league. Now, was that a Chris Jones thing? Because the whole Bo Levi Mitchell against the Riders thing, that was against Chris Jones and Chris Jones is pre, pre, pre practice squad. And that's kind of where all that started. Was that a Chris Jones thing? It's part of it. I hate to stoke someone's ego, but Rod Peterson added a lot to that as well, but that also has has, has a lot to do with the Chris Jones and uh, Bo Levi, but Bo likes being the villain. He does. He, he gave Steve the finger in a picture, and that was before the Chris Jones thing. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I don't want to use the word hate because hate isn't the right word, but as, as a rival, I've always disliked him as a football player. He seems like a nice guy, but that's, that's what you do. I gained a lot of respect for him with that picture. It was funny to me. <laughs> like, the the uh, the amount of like I don't know if it was on purpose. I'd like to think it was. Oh, it, it definitely. You don't was. do that. On, you don't really make that in your pocket by accident. And to think to do that, kudos, man. You're you're right. He does like to be the villain, but he doesn't he doesn't push it as hard. And Burris seemed to own it and live the villain, whereas Bo Levi just kind of pops up every now and again with some quote or some thing and then disappears again for a while. Yeah, there's no one right now that I think enjoys being reviled. Although I think, um, oh God, I'm trying to blank now. The guy that uh, basically called uh, Harris once uh, he hit on me uh, sucks. His name is um, Almondo Sewell of the Montreal. Sewell, that's it. I was like, God damn it, he was a you know, former Edmonton player. Yep. Like, yeah, he he's he's going for the hate. He's going for the hate on this one, but I don't I don't know if I buy that that was a legitimate attack like he lived green and gold for how long and he was teammates with with harris his last year there i feel like that was more of a a, a shot across the bow at a, at a friend more than a legitimate attack just a little piece but, of bulletin board material nothing major right there. Are, are are you saying certain websites pump up random quotes just to get their clicks up <laughs> I don't believe it. I didn't suggest any such thing. Never, never said it in my life. Anyway, we'll move on here. Uh, Sorry, I'm in a mood tonight. If you can't tell. I can tell, yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's, let her fly. Let's get to the, uh, the enemy preview this week. The Hamilton Tiger Cats coming to Mosaic Stadium on Saturday, 8 p.m. Lots of time to get the, uh, the old drinks in you before the game. A late start. Jeremiah Mazzoli getting the start for the Tiger Cats again this week. After last week's pretty much piss poor performance against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, other than their first drive, how long do you guys see Jeremiah Mazzoli's leash 
before the Ticats move to Dane Evans. I, I think they give him the first half regardless. I don't think he sees the bench regardless of how poorly he might play uh, until the third quarter. I don't think a lot of the problems with Mazzoli, unfortunately. That team just looked out of sync, and I don't think it had it had part to do with him, but the entire team was, especially after Banks got that penalty, and it was a garbage penalty, he just was off. He, he was too mad at the officials to do anything after that. He seems to be the exact type of player that if you can get under his skin once, he he's done. And you, you've seen players like that over the years, and Brandon Banks is a great receiver, arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, there, there's no question there, but he seems to, I don't know the right word for it, but he, he seems to sometimes lack that mental edge. And I, I hope the riders, and if you, if you're, if I'm Nick Marshall, I'm poking the bear from snap one all game long because he's, he will snap and it affects his play every time. Now, getting back to Jeremiah Mazzoli, I think the leash will be pretty long again. He is their starter. And like you said, the that was a just it wasn't all on him. A lot of it was on the O line. Chris Van Zyl, the their best offensive lineman, probably the best offensive lineman in the CFL, what didn't play. So as soon as you take that guy out, there's already problems. So I think that's gonna make a difference for them getting Chris Van Zyl back. But also first game of the year. It kind of looked like preseason and even, I mean, Winnipeg wasn't world beaters by any means in that game. Their defense showed up for sure, but it's not like they were putting up tons of yards, tons of points either. They only scored 19 points themselves. So that to me, week one was just kind of a one-off for Hamilton here. We're going to see a much different team here in Saskatchewan when Hamilton comes back. And again, Chris Van Zyl, I made a point of that. He's back on their O-line. That's going to make a difference. The Riders' defense didn't get a lot of pressure last week on BC, especially in the second half. So there's a, a potential um, storyline going into into this game. They didn't get a lot of pressure, but I liked everything they did. Like, um, like Garrett Marino, I think is going to be a star. Like that guy has a motor that doesn't quit. Like I can't wait to see him do more. Micah looked good. AC Leonard was flying around. Like they didn't get. Uh, sacks or it, it didn't seem like they had a ton of pressure, but I didn't hate anything they did. And getting to Micah Johnson, that was one of those games that, uh, I mean, the stats won't show it, but he had a really good game. He was plugging up holes and, and taking on double teams the entire game. And I thought he had a really solid game, even though you look at the stat sheet, oh, a couple tackles, big deal. Uh, he was probably the one of the defensive stars of that game. So I'm looking forward to seeing Micah Johnson again whether he gets a couple sacks or not, just blow up holes in that offensive line for Hamilton. And uh, one thing that's not really being said a lot is uh, this is Simone Lawrence's first game in Saskatchewan since the start of the 2019 season. We all know what happened there is hit on Zach Caleros, his late hit. And uh, do we, so here's my question. This whole situation brought about the riders Cody Fajardo, their new franchise quarterback. The Simone hit on on uh, Zach Caleros. Should we cheer Simone Lawrence and say thank you for taking out that, Zach that, that seems dark. No matter no matter how you slice it, that seems really dark. <laughs> right? Especially, I, but like, or do you, considering Winnipeg won a Grey Cup, that that's really dark. Or like, yeah, you, I was gonna say it? when you look at it from Winnipeg's standpoint, they got Zach Caleros because he got hurt earlier in the year. So you would also be, while we're cheering Cody Fajardo, we'd also be cheering a Winnipeg Great Cup, and I refuse to do that. Or do you boo the guy like normal, but uh, that also shows that, hey, like, you hurt our quarterback, but that was actually a good thing. So You just, you just boo the guy because he, he wears the wrong color. It's that simple. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was funny because in 2019, that was that happened in Hamilton. That hit, obviously, didn't play in Saskatchewan because that's when eventually, finally, the appeal was had for his uh, two-game suspension, where he ended up s- sitting a game anyway. So there, that and that was Cody's coming out party. And that was, uh, yeah, exactly. That was corn. That was corn dog night. That was yeah, where he scored the last <laughs> uh, last-minute touchdown to to beat Hamilton. Yeah. So it's uh, 
I'm looking forward to this game. This is going to be a really good game. This is a, a, a based off what we saw from the Riders last week and, and what we expect out of Hamilton to pretty much be in the Great Cup anyway. Uh, this is going to be a massive game and maybe a preview of something we'll see late, late, late in the season. Could you imagine after everybody spent all off season leading up to this year, basically crowning the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the, I don't know the right word, again, the right word for it, but the cry out from that fan base, if they start 0-2, that's, that's, that's not a good look for them. They, they need to come out on fire on Saturday night. I don't see, honestly, I don't see how. They look disjointed, but then again, week two might be a whole different ball game. But I, I don't know. I think the Riders look better than the Ticats did. To me, it all comes down to which version of the Riders shows up on Saturday night. Do we get the first half Jason Moss, or do we get the second half Jason Moss? Do we see William Powell a bunch? Does he never touch the ball? Do we score, or do we rely on John Ryan singles all night? Yeah, I think this, this I, is the game where we're going to see a much more balanced offense than we saw uh, last week against the BC Lions, where you're going to see Powell get the ball in the second half. With If the Riders have a big lead, you'll see Powell run it a little bit more, but it's going to be a lot more deception from Jason Moss. I just remembered with uh, one, one thing I want to ask about the, uh, the game. John Ryan at the end, when he kicked it out of bounds, would you guys would have went for that field goal to put us up by two scores? Or even kicked it through to go put put us up by more than what what it was. With I, I can't believe John Ryan actually angled one out of bounds and put him on the five yard line. No, for I, one, but I, I punt there because it's a four four point game. A field goal makes it a seven point game. They still have to get a touchdown anyway, so I pro I probably punted there. I'm right there with you, Alex. I think punting. I'm very rarely on the side of of, of punting the ball, especially with. Uh, John Ryan's ability to hit singles. Uh, but I think that was the right decision at that point in the game. Pin them deep, only give them 30 seconds. I think it was the right call. All right. Well, one more thing here on the Piffles podcast this week before we go, our CFL pick them. So if you learned anything from last week and you're mad at us because you listened to a Ryder fan podcast who picked against Winnipeg, then uh, maybe you should turn this off and you guys know exactly what I'm uh, alluding to when I'm talking about that. I copy. Don't, don't, don't listen to us. If we, if we win, <laughs> listen to us. If we lose, don't listen to us. We, we did go 0-4 last week. We, we picked well, one we against the spread. Because we played the spread. Yeah. So this week is way more of a toss-up than last week. And week one is always kind of crazy. BC with Nathan Rourke at quarterback in Calgary. Calgary doesn't lose twice. I'm sorry. I'm torn on this. I just like Hamilton. Does does BC's second half come out? BC's second half wasn't that good. I'm sorry. Uh, you're not wrong, but Calgary's game wasn't that good. I'm gonna go BC. I'm gonna lose, but I'm gonna go BC. Why 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 do we let him control the money on this thing? I have no idea. Hey, it, it all comes down to whoever picks the, the most. So if you guys both get, pick Calgary, you win. That's where I'm But at. I'd just like to point out the one time where I picked differently than you two last week, I was right. <laughs> Broken clock. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. I got to go with Calgary for the same reason as Greg. They don't lose twice in a row. They will find a way. And now that they have film on Nathan Rourke, there will be no surprises with what he can do. So even with a full week of, of first team snaps, Nathan Rourke, you're going into a place that doesn't lose twice and, and especially at home twice in a row. I just can't see that happening. Now the team that beat Calgary last week, Toronto, they're in Winnipeg. This is one of the more intriguing matchups of the week to me because you have the Grey Cup defending champions. If we're still going to call them that, even though that happened over a season and a half ago, to me, it doesn't really count anymore. But they're at home again to Toronto, who makeshift team just completely rebuilt. Didn't look terrible in the second half against Calgary. I uh, 
I'll, I'll gladly pick against Winnipeg every game this year if I have to. So I'm picking against Winnipeg this game. I think Winnipeg wins. Yeah, I, I'm with Steve. Winnipeg wins this one. It'll be a really close game, though. I really think it'll be it'll it'll be a close one. Montreal at Edmonton. Montreal's first game of the year. Edmonton another home game, and they were a team that put up over 500 yards of offense, but just couldn't score. I without seeing Montreal this year, I I think Edmonton's going to beat them. Edmonton lost to Ottawa. I don't see. I, I I cannot, in good conscience, put money on Edmonton to win again until they show me they can beat an actual football team. I I gotta go Montreal. I don't even care if they haven't practiced once all year. I'd pick Montreal in this one. You can't lose to Ottawa and then expect to, uh, to for me to put money on you next week. That you can put that down for the rest of the year. If you lose to Ottawa, I'm picking your opponent next week. Montreal hasn't played in over 630, 40 days, whatever it is. Every other team in the league has at least played. And I think that's an advantage here for Edmonton at home. As much as I want Montreal to win, and I think Montreal probably probably could win this game. It'll I'm be tight. Going to go with Edmonton. And the final one, Hamilton at Saskatchewan. I'm taking Saskatchewan. I got it. Hamilton showed me nothing last week. I'm sorry, they did not. At uh, least we be, played a full half. They, they they will be better, but I I don't think Hamilton is as good as people thought they were. This is a super important game for the Riders. I know it's super important for Hamilton to not drop to zero and two, but I think uh, Hamilton will turn it around at some point. The Riders, with the heavily weighted schedule, where almost every single home game uh, is to start the season they have to win this to build up that momentum before they hit the road eventually in September so I'm gonna go with Saskatchewan here so there you have it pick everything that we did not pick go against the other <laughs> way if you want to make some money I knew we were I should have known we were in trouble last week uh when we were like every pick was Matt Cause's pick too <laughs> just follow what Marshall, Marshall Ferguson had. He had a three in one week. So we'll maybe we'll just follow what he does on CFL.ca. But gentlemen, that is it for us this week on the Piffles podcast. Looking forward to this game on Saturday night, Hamilton at Saskatchewan. See you guys there. This has been the Piffles podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Piffles podcast, the website, pifflespodcast.com. And of course, on Twitter at Piffles Pod. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check them out, especially when they have the pumpkin pie blizzard. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty and Churchill Brewing Company for their support to make the show possible. You guys, have a great night. The